Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to season four of the EPL Roundtable. Uh, a bit of a self-serving bit of nonsense here first. Uh, it is really incredible to us that we're heading into year four of doing this show. The first episode we ever recorded was nearer the length of a feature film than a podcast. And uh, Seifu and I spent eight hours to edit it. Obviously we've refined that process a lot since. But, but that was a crazy process. The fact that you listened to it from the start was crazy. Now here we are, we've passed 10 million hits since the beginning of the show, which is incredible, and we couldn't be happier to be starting up for this new season. Uh, we just wanted to give a quick uh, thank you to Podbean and Acast for all they've done for us, all of our guests, like these guys that you're about to talk to soon, EPL Index, uh, from the beginning, and most importantly, you the listeners, for making everything we do here worthwhile. So for you guys, so that you know, there is one big structural change this season, and that is that we will no longer be doing a Thursday-slash-Friday show uh, of the EPL Roundtable. But don't fret. Uh, based on the feedback we received from you, uh, the listeners, and the guests, and the folks up the ladder, we decided that we will be doing brief 10-15 to 15 minute segments throughout the week this season, uh, based on any big news that's happening throughout the league. So uh, just be patient with us as we get that worked into the schedule. And now that we have that out of the way, let us begin. Guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Richard Burns. I'm a Manchester City fan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Richard the Burns. I'm Dave Hendrick. I'm a Liverpool fan. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Hendrick underscore AI. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have the first making the rounds of the season, where we'll quickly go through and talk about what's been happening at our clubs during the off season. Richard, we'll start with you. Well, yeah, it's been an interesting summer so far for City. They've had a disrupted pre-season, um, a couple of signings, a load of protracted signings that we still don't know if they're actually going to go through or not. Um, and depressingly, they've released possibly the worst two kits in City history. Um, we've finally got Guardiola in. Um, obviously, we've known that since February the 1st that that was coming, but it was nice to uh, to finally get him in on July 1st. Um, he's made a very good impression with his press conferences and interviews so far. Um, the players, as you would expect of players sucking up to a new manager, but the players are speaking very highly of him. Um, and it's already a bit of an antidote to the dourness that we um, had for the, the last couple of years, um, where Pellegrini didn't particularly um, connect with the supporters. He wasn't lively or endearing in his press conferences. And, and Guardiola is straight away such an antidote to that. There's a, a bit of a buzz and a refreshed feel about the club again, which is great. Uh, on the signings front, which you know probably the most important part of any summer, really. Um, Ilki Gundogan, again, probably one of the worst-kept secrets uh, in the transfer market that City were after him. But they finally got that one uh, over the line. And 
you would think that if he can stay fit, which is by no means a guarantee, but if he can stay fit, he's going to be possibly the key signing for City because he'll play the pivot role that is so crucial to any Guardiola team that uh, Bushett's played at Barcelona, that Philip Lahm played so often for him at Bayern Munich. Um, it's going to be a really key position. So keeping Gundogan fit is already I think, key to a lot of what Pep's going to want to do. Nolito, slightly less obvious signing, but I think just short of 14 million in the current market where value isn't really a thing that exists in any way, shape or form. 13, I think 13.8 million, I think was the official figure um, for a player in the kind of form that Nolito has been in for the last couple of years uh, isn't a bad deal. And you would imagine, I think he can play, he can play wide, uh, he can play up front should we need him to, because we're not blessed with a wealth of strikers. Um, and with the exception of Aguero, I mean, Wilfred Bonney doesn't look like he's part of Guardiola's plans, really. He was dreadful last season. So you'd think that having somebody else who can step up and play striker is going to be particularly useful. Um, so it looks like we might, we might have got ourselves a bit of a bargain there. Um, and then the ongoing rumours, the the John Stones transfer saga that we keep hearing is going to be completed by the end of the week, which we've been hearing for the last four or five weeks, um, is doing my head in now, to be honest. I wish we could just get it over with either Everton are going to... It, it seems now, because it seems City was saying, oh, that City were willing to go and put the 50 million on the table that would tempt Everton to start talking. The talk now is that City don't want to make him the most expensive defender in the world. And I've given Everton a, a 40 million take it or leave it offer in the hope that Koeman will not want an unhappy player and will sanction the deal so we can go and spend the funds. Um, I think John Stones will be a fantastic signing for City. Again, a ball playing centre back um, with so much potential. Granted, he had a bit of a, a certainly second half of last season wasn't great for him, but he's he's got so much potential and to be moulded into the way that Guardiola likes his defenders to play. Um, I think it'd be a fantastic signing, but City seems to be playing a bit of a dangerous game of brinkmanship now that in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think they need to play. If they want him enough, put the money on the table. It's gone on long enough. Um, and then Leroy Sane, which appears to be happening. Apparently he's not been with Schalke the last couple of days and has said his goodbyes to his teammates and the staff. But Schalke are now setting ultimatums about when that's got to be done, how they're going to take into Austria on their pre-season tour. So City never get business done quickly. Obviously there's a, a lot to do in these transfers. It's not um it's not something that happens overnight generally. Um, but hopefully we can get those done soon because we're less than two weeks of the season. You'd imagine Guardiola wants his new signings in um, and to get working with them and to start getting them used to his system because I think it's going to be quite a radical overhaul to the way we've played the last couple of years because Guardiola is a, a much more tactically minded manager than, than Pellegrini was so the players are going to have to learn a whole lot. Um, Pre-season wise, they played a game against Bayern Munich which was um, all right. You could see the the groundwork being laid of the wanting to play out from the back and um, trying to get the keeper to be the first um, the first port of call really in starting an attack once he's got the ball and, and playing the ball out with a bit of intelligence didn't prove to be the most useful tactic when Caballero was in goal but we'll see how that goes once Joe Hart starts getting a chance um, the derby against United was cancelled the one was due to be played in China on one on one level I was quite happy with that because I couldn't be bothered with people treating the result of a friendly um, as 
some kind of early point scoring between Pep and Mourinho. But on the other hand, obviously, you want your, your pre-season games to start implementing your ideas. So they've rearranged a friendly to play, or they've arranged a friendly to play behind closed doors against St. Johnston, which is probably not quite the same kind of test. Um, and they play Arsenal on Saturday in Sweden. So a bit of globetrotting that hasn't really... Um, hasn't really come to much. They did play one game in China against Dortmund that they won on penalties. Um, but again, the result isn't really the important part. Um, and Guardiola's been giving the youth players a good crack at it in the friendlies. So um, again, maybe more inclined to give the young players a chance than Pellegrini was, which has got a lot of City fans uh, particularly excited. So it's a mildly frustrating summer in places so far, but with so much potential. And like I say, just a, a real sort of refreshed feeling around the club. Yeah, you mentioned um, Guardiola's system there. Obviously, he is a manager that isn't as married to one particular formation or, or tactic as a lot of other managers. Uh, how would you kind of expect to roll out day one? Um, I think is I'm expecting this to be a lot of emphasis on width and on wide play, um, which he wasn't particularly known for at Barcelona, but then went straight into Bayern Munich and identified Ribery and Robin as his key players for getting the ball into the box. Um, and, you know, the more chances you create, the more chance you have of scoring. I'm obviously boiling his philosophy down quite a lot there to um, very simplistic words and a simplistic way of looking at it. But so that was his general outlook. And I think he will do something very similar with City. Um, I think it would make sense of the Sane signing, who can play wide. It would make sense of Nolito. We've obviously got Navas, who can play that role, and not many others, who can, can play out wide and just get the ball into the box um, with varying levels of quality, it must be said. And Raheem Sterling, who can obviously play wide. And I realise the jury's still out on him, and I might be his biggest supporter at this point, but I'm pretty convinced that Guardiola's going to I'm going to do a good job with Sterling because I think he'll identify a player who, although he's got a lot of work to do once he gets into the final third, um, is a very, very intelligent and shrewd footballer and gets a lot more criticism than I actually think he deserves. So I think Guardiola will seek to use that width a lot and he's got four players or three about to be four players um, who will seriously take advantage of that. And then obviously once you've got Aguero in the box, you expect a good deal of those chances created to be taken. Um, and then the defence will be interesting. I wouldn't be overly surprised if at some point um, he tries three at the back because he's talking about Fernandinho being a player that can play at centre-back. Wouldn't be that different to what he did with Mascherano. Um, we know that Guardiola sort of sees centre-backs and defensive midfielders as almost interchangeable because he believes in playing out from the back. So as long as they've got the ability to um, to play a pass out, then... I think he generally thinks that he can uh, use a player like that as a centre-back or a midfielder. So I think it's quite, it's hard to nail down exactly what he's going to do because he, I mean, as you said, he's not really married to one formation. He's, he thinks about things by the game, which again, and I don't mean this is a criticism of Pellegrini as such because his style is his style. But we're used but to managing... will be one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but we're, we're used to a manager over the last couple of years and the players are used to a manager who believes in we do things our way and we will impose that on the opposition. And it stopped working two years ago and we've sort of just about got by for the last two seasons. Now we have a manager who adapts to each game and adapts within games. So it's not that easy to predict exactly what he's going to do, but I think there will be an emphasis on, an emphasis on width and I think at some point 
maybe not right off the bat, but I think at some point we'll be trying three at the back with a, a couple of wing backs. But some of it's going to depend on on who actually comes in, isn't it, and what deals they get over the line. Very interesting stuff indeed. Uh, Dave, Liverpool are in uh, America right now and have had a couple of good showings, but what else has been happening this summer? Um, so obviously this is the first summer under Klopp, um, the manager that I think most clubs would want to have. City might be the only club that can w- w- are happy with the guy they have and, w- and wouldn't swap him. Um, <clears throat> we've brought in a bunch of players. Um, Loris Karius, the goalkeeper from Mines, who unfortunately has broken his hand, is going to miss the first two months of the season. Joel Matip, the centre-back from Schalke, uh, also currently injured. There's a bit of a theme here. Um, Marko Grujic, the young Ser- uh, Serbian midfielder, also currently injured. Um, Will- Wijnaldum, uh, Wijnaldum and uh, Sadio Mane. Obviously, everyone knows who they are. They're Premier League players. Um, we've had a weird summer, to be totally honest. I'm not overly enthralled with the players we've signed. I like Karios, but I, I think we could have got better. I'm not a huge Matip fan, but he was free. Uh, Grujic looks like he's going to be good, but he's only a kid. Wijnaldum is good, but we overpaid. And Mane, I just I just don't think he's the type of player we should have been going for at all. Um, but, you know, we've, we've done well in terms of getting rid of our deadwood. We've shipped out Martin Skirtle finally. Uh, finally got John Flanagan to go away on loan. Hopefully, Lucas Leva will be sailing off into the night bound for Turkey um, whether by his choice or not I don't care, he just has to go so we've had an up and down sort of summer we went for a, a couple of players that we just didn't get, Usman Dembele who went to uh, Dortmund um, Mahmoud Dahoud who Gladbach just weren't willing to sell having already sold Granit Xhaka um, it, there's a lot of work still to be done. We've been up and down in our terms of our performances as well in pre-season, but we're still just getting players back. Chance still hasn't played. Sturridge just looks really rusty. Um, we beat Milan last night two 0 but it was it was just it was the most typical Italian thing ever. It was it was truly wonderful. About five minutes into the game, Milan just kind of had a look around and went, "Oh, well, we'll settle for penalties here, lads." Yeah, they and, set uh, up to defend really early. Yeah, yeah, they had a couple of attacks. They went at Lovren, embarrassed them once, and then were like, oh, do you know, this is a lot of effort. We'll just settle for penalties here. Um, Liverpool managed to get a couple of goals through Origi and Firmino, which uh, topped off a decent win. There was some good performances. We've The biggest thing for us this summer has been the young players that have come through. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold looks like he could be a real player for us. Possibly he'll spend this season as the backup right back, which is where he's played at underage level as well as in midfield. Uh, Ovi Alaria, who we stole from Arsenal a couple of years ago, or they well they let him go, but we nicked him then. He's looked really impressive. Ben Woodburn, the 16-year-old, has played two games and scored two goals. Um, those have been really promising signs, but. I think for Klopp, a lot of it is what he wants to do with the players he inherited, and he still hasn't really seen some of them at their best. Like Markovic was on loan when Klopp took over. He's been better in preseason. He's getting better. He had a good game last night when he came on. Klopp didn't really get to see much of Henderson, um, although it is telling that he went immediately in the market and tried to sign Dahoud. So I'm not sure he's overly enthused by having Jordan Henderson in the team. Um, there's obviously the Sacco thing that's going on. 
Uh, he was sent home from the US. But realistically, he, he was brought for a holiday and he was making too much of a holiday of it. I think if he'd been fit, I don't think there would have been an issue. Um, so he's gone back to Melwood and he's back working with the physios there. Uh, we still have work to do and players going out as well. Balotelli and Benteke, we need to get those out the door. Um, and hopefully there will be a couple more incomings. There's, you know, some names floating about. It's pretty clear we want a left back. Um, I think we still want a central midfielder for what the role Dahoud would have played. Um, so it could be an interesting couple of weeks. Obviously, there's a month left now in the window when it's, it's, a, it's a race against the clock because you don't want to go down to deadline day and then be left in a position like Spurs were left a few years ago with Moutinho, where you think it's done and then all of a sudden mm. falls apart. Um, we need to get get these guys in soon, because as things stand, we're going to go in to play Arsenal, minus our first-choice keeper and both our first-choice centre-backs. So that's not ideal at all. Um, having Lovren in the team is never, ever ideal. But hopefully... Things will pick up soon enough on the injury front. We'll get some of those guys back. Yeah, you mentioned Wijnaldum, and I, that's who I'm actually going to ask the most about here, which is last year he played primarily on the left wing. You don't really have mm. a need for that because you're trying to fit Coutinho and Firmino in those attacking spaces to begin with anyway. Do you think there's a chance that you might try to hold, put him more in a, a holding midfield role or a central midfield role like he played at PSV? I think what Klopp looks to be doing is playing somewhat of a 4-3-2-1. And Chan is the middle point of that midfield three. And then, for now, I think Henderson will be one position and Wijnaldum will be the other. But his role will be to be in the three when we when we don't have the ball, when we're defending. But when we do get the ball, to break forward and join the two in front and make it a three. So to go from the 4-3-2-1 to four two three one, which is what Klopp has done before. We saw it last year with Milner. The only issue with Milner is that he has zero pace, so he couldn't get forward quick enough. But Klopp also did it at Dortmund when they won titles. He had Kuba playing that role where he would tuck back in when Dortmund lost the ball and then spring forward when they had it. I have a feeling people are going to be a little bit surprised by what we do in attack this year because I get the feeling we're going to see Coutinho and Mane as the two behind the striker. And I think that striker could more often than not be Firmino. Um, I think Origi has a chance to stake a real claim. And if we do go to 4-2-3-1 permanently, I think Origi will be the main guy. I think Daniel Sturridge is looking at potentially just a bench role this year. Unless unless he can really up his game in terms of his what he does off the ball and making sure he's always fit, I, I think he could be looking at just becoming a bench player. Which is a shame because after Aguero... There's not many strikers in the league better than Sturridge. I don't actually think there's any better than Sturridge when he's fully fit, um, other other than other than Aguero. But he just the injuries, the restrictions he seems to place on himself in terms of the work he's willing to do for because he's so afraid of getting injured. And I think Klopp just kind of prefers to have someone up front who'll do a lot of the donkey work and you know harass centre backs and win the ball back high up the pitch. All right, uh, for Tottenham, we have had a very interesting summer, starting with tearing down part of the stadium way before schedule, which infuriates me, as I'll be uh, visiting the UK here in the fall and was hoping to see it in its glory. 
but apparently not so much. We'll get to get over to Wembley for a Champions League match, however, which will be uh, an incredible experience. But it would have been great if that had been conveyed a little bit earlier on, uh, on less personal notes. Um, we have been busy earlier in the window than uh, we have been in years past, as Dave alluded to with the Matinho nonsense. Um, very early on, got Victor Wanyama. I had mentioned for a long time that I thought the target was Axel Witzel. Uh, and I think you've seen, with the interest from Juventus and Everton, how difficult it is to actually get him away from Zenit. There were quotes again this week that he wants out. He's wanted out for about two and a half years. That's not the surprising mm. thing. The problem is because Russia allowed uh, third-party ownership, they got so many of those um, weird contracts over there that it's almost impossible to get rid of. You have a lot of weird, uh, I don't want to say salaries. <laughs> That's a very American thing. Uh, the wage structure is so very confusing over there as well. I think it, teams will be very hard-pressed to sign him. And I think in an effort to forego all of that, we've signed a player that, while less talented works perfectly in our system in Victor Wanyama. David and I have mentioned this uh, on the radio show uh, a couple of times already, but um, Victor Wanyama has been one of the most consistent defensive midfielders since he came into the Premier League. He already knows how to work Pacha's system, and, and the benefit of the two friendlies that we've seen through Tottenham, which were both disappointing losses, but Victor Wanyama looks like he's been in this team for a decade already. He, he walked in and immediately uh, is doing his job. The The... Not so great passing is not uh, untrue. Uh, there were a couple where he kind of gave the ball away in dangerous positions, which is a very big no-no uh, for Pochettino and is one of the first reasons Bentaleb got dropped from the squad in the first place, uh, aside from the injuries. But he, he does look very good in our system, and I think he'll be just fine going forward. The other signing, uh, which made me incredibly pleased, uh, Vincent Janssen to Tottenham. He has not looked as great in the first two friendlies, but you know, very early on, it almost just looks like he's trying to do too much to prove himself before Kane gets back involved. Um, obviously, very, very highly touted coming from the Dutch League, won the Cruyff Award last year for most talented footballer uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, and I I've just been very, very pleased with everything you're hearing from him. He, uh, Based on his interviews, he does seem to be a profoundly boring human being. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get some boring Jansen Twitter accounts going on uh, in the future. But uh, he's, he definitely puts the work in. He presses from the front line, which is something that Pochettino is known for and we really saw last year. I do think he'll be more of a 60-minute sub uh, than he's going to really start in either competition. Uh, but I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Kane broke down for the first time in his career just because he's been playing football for two straight years. Because not only did he play the Euros last year, but he played the U21 Euros last year. So uh, I, I'm not sure how uh, healed up his legs are going to be. To his credit, this would be the first time. He's never missed a game for us uh, due to injury since coming into the first team, knock on all the wood. Um, but I, I do very much like the, the signing of Jansen. Uh, would I have liked it more? At around the 14 mark, which is what we were originally talking, yes. But as many people say, it wasn't my money. Um, and it won't really keep us from bringing anybody else in. The the very strange one is uh, George, Kevin, and Kudu, who, <laughs> Dave, we spoke about, was that three weeks ago now? Being a done yeah. deal, and it still hasn't been confirmed. Um, because unsurprisingly... Nice hmm? It's really nice, though, that you've the, the, the guy you signed, who was the Nkudu of last year, Clinton and G, is the you've just loaned him out. Yeah, come in, do absolutely nothing for a year, and away you go. So I'm looking forward to where seeing where Incuda goes on loan next summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are similarities, but uh, I think the difference is 
Not only is Ng already older and less technically proficient, but he's also more limited by position. Um, Nkudu can play both feet. He can play both wings. Um, one, one of the traits in Santi Cathor... I, I never decide if I've wanted to commit to the uh, Catalan Cathorla or the normal no. Cazorla. Um, we'll go with the Z. We'll go with Cazorla. Um, is that he, he sends and crosses uh, both inswingers from both corners, which I've always thought was pretty underrated in his game. I think Nkudu has that ability where he can either be a true winger on either side, sending in crosses or cut in from either wing. And I think that that flexibility is really what Poch was looking for. Because currently, uh, our starting left winger is Della Ali, but behind him is Hyungman Sun, who's the actual winger. And he's also backup for Lamella on the right. So I think we just needed to diversify there a little bit, which is why we're, we're doing this. Is it silly that we brought in NG for a year and all he did was have one dangerous shot that Mignolet accidentally palmed away? Yes. But um, apparently that's just life. And the reason this deal keeps getting prolonged is because uh, Marseille either offered us Nkudu up front or we could include NG as a loan back as part of the deal. And of course, as soon as you do that, you complicate it and everything's difficult. Because from French sources, Nkudu has been aware that he's a Tottenham player for two weeks, but has yet to be able to join the squad, which is a very silly thing, but not that unlike something Daniel Levy would try to do. Um, so hopefully we'll get that worked out soon. As I mentioned, uh, two friendlies uh, lost to uh, Juventus and uh, Atletico Madrid. The Atletico Madrid match, uh, Dave, not too unlike the uh, AC Milan match that you were mentioning, uh, where they set up shop, scored a scrappy goal, and won 1-0. Atleti never That's do that. That's just how they do it. Yep. <laughs> um, That's uh, it. Yep. And they, and they do it well, and they close off space pretty well, although we did look very good in the first half. Uh, Erickson still looks just a little step behind. Um, I do think I've been a bit harsh on him over the past couple of years. I, I think I've kind of tried to fit him into the Vandervaart mold, which isn't really what he is at this point. And I don't know whether he just hasn't developed the way we thought he would or because Pochettino continually requires him to track back and press that it doesn't allow him to be that kind of luxury player in the middle of the park the way Vandervaart was. Um, but hopefully he'll be able to find his legs a bit. I, I was just expecting that he'd be one of our brighter players in these friendlies because he didn't have to deal with the Euros, unfortunately. Um, but he, he looks okay. more sluggish than Lamella. Yeah. Question on Ericsson. There's yeah. talk going around that he's looking for a new contract. Mm. And a lot of Spurs fans seem a little bit, you know, nonplussed Wrong. about <laughs> keeping him or giving him a, you know, a, a, the pay rise. I think he's well worth the pay rise. Oh, yeah. I just think he's a victim of the system because... Potch asks so much. But if he played the role that Ali played last year, mm. that more central role, I think you'd see far more from him. I agree. Uh, and I think part of the reason Ali got to play that role is Potch didn't have time to teach him how to play football. And <laughs> Ali just got to do whatever he wanted and was, I don't want to say limited by that because we were allowing him to do it and he did it very well. But I do think that Ali was slower on the tactical side of the game. And so he was the one that was kind of given free reign. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that if Ericsson had that kind of free reign, it would have been much more interesting. But I don't see that changing, which is unfortunate. Yes, he deserves a new contract. He's currently on somewhere between 30 and 40K a week, um, which is more than I make, but uh, much less than some other players at Tottenham. But I do think a lot of fans don't know how low Tottenham's wages are. Like, Harry Kane's alleged new bumper contract would put him on 100k, which would make him the highest earner at the club. Because Lloris is only on 80, and everyone else is lower than that, including Alderweireld and Vertonghen and Eriksen and Lamella. Like, all of them are on actually pretty manageable contracts. I think the problem that Eriksen has had 
is if, if you look at it from his agent's point of view, right, you see all of these rolling contracts that Tottenham have been doing where everybody keeps signing one-year extensions so it stays at five years. If you're Ericsson's agent, you're waiting to see how high that goes. So it's just like the snowball up of wages, and I think they're trying to capitalize at the right point. I know they were close last November, um, which is before Kane got his new 60K a week contract. And I think that as soon as they like start to hop back in, there's another one. Like right now, we've opened negotiations with Walker and Lamella. So now you're probably waiting to see where that one goes. I mean, is it is it criminal that we got him for 12 million euros and we're paying him 30K a week? Yeah, that's insane. Um, but he's obviously worth double that on both counts. Um, so yeah, I, I would. I, I don't think we're going to have any real problems. I think we just need to pay him. But I think part of the problem is on their side. They're waiting to see how much we're willing to pay other players, which is preventing us from really getting too deep into negotiations with him. All right, uh, well, we will move on quickly to the topic. I, I was sitting down to start um, planning out my Premier League preview article, and <laughs> you obviously start in order of clubs. And I realized that there are many problems with a- any of the teams that are really viewed as contenders. And there are maybe five or six that you could really put into that category. So for you guys, do, do you agree that there's not a clear favorite? If not, why do you think that is? And is there a team that you think should be favorite this season? I would agree that there's um, not a clear favorite. I think it makes it the most um, the most interesting Premier League title race in years. Um, the you've got a pretty decent collection of quite like sort of superstar managers in the league, um, but a good few of them are having to get to grips with new clubs. So obviously Conte at Chelsea, um, Guardiola with us at City, Mourinho at United, and Klopp with his first summer at Liverpool. Um, the ones that are sort of established at the clubs um you've obviously got Wenger at Arsenal who are normally considered in there for a title shout but they just don't seem willing to spend the right amount of money for the right players that they need and they seem to be focusing again on attacking midfield players that they they just to me they don't need um so I think this is finally going to be the year they drop out the top four you've got Leicester who must be the most unfancied reigning champions of of the Premier League era, at least. Um, and so you're left with a collection of clubs that all generally disappointed last season, perhaps with the exception of Tottenham, who will be considered in there and obviously do have a, a stable manager who's had a bit of time to work with his team now and, and mould them to his ideas. Um, like everybody else around them was a little was disappointing in some way last season. Um, so I think that stops to being a clear favourite because... Although you can say, like I would say, in my opinion, I think City have acquired the best coach in the world. Clearly, United have acquired one of the best coaches in the world. Um, you don't actually know what they're going to do. There is reason to, um, as much as I sort of don't really fall down on this side of the argument with Guardiola, there is reason to question them. Until you've seen how he fits into the Premier League um, and works with the players that he's got, You don't. it's not a sure thing that he's going to be a success. Um, obviously, Mourinho at United comes off the, the back of the most testing period of his career um, with, okay, spending a lot of money, but it's a team that has underperformed for a good few years now, basically since 2012. Um, so, yeah, there is, I mean, to answer the question directly um, and more quickly, um, yeah, you can't not agree that there's not a clear favourite, but it makes it incredibly interesting. And I think 
personally, I think the league is stronger this year than it was last year. I think there's been some extremely good players being brought in or are about to be brought in um, with a fantastic collection of managers, at least at least one of whom has to fail, um, and probably more than one, because you've got at least five superstar managers competing for a top four position. By default, they can't all make it, a point which I think Slavin Bilic made particularly well last week. So somebody's going to fail, somebody's going to be out on their ear, um, at least by the end of the season, if not before, because there's a, a lot of impatient chairmen all vying for the sort of same limited amount of positions. So I think it's it's fascinating, but I don't think we're going to see, and we'll probably never see it again. But I think this season there is no chance of um, a lovely fairy tale surprise story like we had last season. I think we are going to go back to one of the traditional um, big teams winning the league this year. Yeah, I'd agree with Richard. I, th- I think there's two standout teams. I think Chelsea and City, I would put on a level above everybody else. Um, the the caliber of the squads, the caliber of the managers, the ability to go out and sign pretty much whoever you want. I think those two are starting. I know Chelsea finished tenth last year, but I think them and City are starting from the same base. Remember, Chelsea won the league the year before. There's a whole bunch of great players at Chelsea, and they've just brought in one of the best managers in the world. Obviously, City have brought in one of the best managers in the world, and United have signed a guy who. Yeah, he was one of the best managers in the world, but what is he actually now? Um, I, it's hard to know where Mourinho's head is. Real ended in a disaster. Chelsea, that's like it's very rare you'll see a club become as toxic as Chelsea did in his last days there, or his, even his last months there. Um, so it, it, it's anybody's guess how he is mentally at this point. Um, the one thing I, I will disagree with, Richard, I think the best manager in the world is is in Spain, managing Atletico Madrid. I think Simeone is the best in the game, um, given what he can do with the little amount he puts, like that's given to him in terms of uh, resources and stuff. I don't think anybody else could do what he's done there. But it is going to be a really exciting season. Um, you can actually, the point Richard made about, about Leicester, it's funny, you can actually get better odds than them getting relegated or like low, lower odds than getting relegated than winning the league again, which is just mental. That's incredible. You know, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't finish top half because we we can name the teams, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Spurs. There's That's the top six. In whatever way, that will be the top six. West Ham are going to be there. I think Koeman will improve Everton. I think Southampton are still good enough to where they should be in that top half. And then it's just that's one position left in the top half. And Leicester having the Champions League, I think, could be a negative thing for them in terms of where they, you know, reflection of of league position. The one reason I would personally fancy Chelsea to win the league at the minute is that they don't have, so they've no distractions. And I think, I think defence wins your titles. And I think Conte is a genius when it comes to that side of things. Um, I think City's big issue is that if you look through the spine of that team, the best centre-back is company, who's massively injury-prone. The best midfielders, Gundogan, they've brought in. I have doubts over whether he's going to be a perfect fit in the Premier League straight away. I'm sure he will settle and, and become the great player we know he is. But again, massive injury issues. Yeah, yeah, if he sticks around, massive injury issues. And at the end of the day, they will ride and fall with Aguero. If Aguero is fit... They will win. They they can win the league. If he's not, really hard to see City scoring enough goals. 
because, you know, as Richard mentioned, there's not exactly a whole heap of strikers there. And I know they've brought in Nolito, but, you know, like you look at his seasons in Spain the last couple and then go look at Iago Aspas, his last two seasons in Spain, and they're pretty, pretty similar. Um, so there's no, no guarantee he's immediately going to settle in and be the same player. I think injuries could be the one downfall for City because they're going to have, like City are going to play 60 plus games because City are going to go deep in the Champions League. They're going to have good cup runs and they're going to have the Premier League. Injuries are the one thing I think stand against City. Um, even with the good depth that they have. The one question, actually, Richard, I just wanted to ask you very quickly. Um, City have been linked with Gabriel Jesus. Yes. Have you, have you heard much? Is that deal? Because the way I look at it, like if they bring in Sané, Jesus and Marlos Moreno, and they already have Kevin De Bruyne there, as well as David Silva, Samir Nasri, et cetera, et cetera. Like, is there actually, I, like, I'm a big fan of Sterling as well, but is there actually going to be a future for him there as a first choice player? The um, the Jesus deal sounds from all the reports, and I think the player himself has has made some comments about it. It sounds like it is pretty much done um, with a personal intervention from Guardiola to get it over the line. Which I'm not convinced that's as big a deal as people make out because managers should be speaking to the players they want to sign. But anyway, apparently Guardiola has been um, pretty proactive in in getting that one done. Um, but he will be staying at and and. God forgive me if I'm wrong. Is it Palmeiras that he's at? Palmeiras he's at, yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, I think I think Marlos Moreno will stay for another six months as well, where he is. But yeah, the thing is, they are going to come eventually, even if it's six months or a year. Well, yeah, but then long term, when you mention um, you know, the likes of Nasri, who could be uh, potentially in his way. I mean, they're players who probably would, in the long run, make way. For him, I think Nasri's an interesting one because um, Guardiola has been quite clear that he's currently training on his own because he's come back not fit enough. Um, he could go either way with Guardiola. He could be an absolutely perfect fit for him um, because he's, he's very good at ball retention and he, he's you know he's a, he's a good player in possession, but he's not typically the hardest worker, which won't sit well with Guardiola at all. Um, so I suppose. Having this potential for competition coming in um, from next season or from halfway through the season or when, whenever it is those deals actually, uh, when these players actually come to City and join up with us, um, I think creating that competition has got to be a good thing because there's been a, a stagnation over the last couple of years where players have been able to rest on the laurels and know that they were um, sort of guaranteed starters. But how long they'll be sticking around, I don't really know. I think there's going to be over the next year or two, a, a pretty big upheaval in the squad. Um, and if Guardiola wants to bring these players in, then I would say it's pretty definite that he wants to use them and in how he wants to use them. Um, we People think of City as having a lot of squad depth, and I'm not convinced that we do, because you look at how decimated we were by injuries last season, which is by no means an excuse, because we had so many that you sort of have to look at what on earth they were doing um, to lead to so many muscle injuries. But that squad very quickly became um, pretty depleted. So, I don't know, I think having these players and quite young players to call on isn't going to be a bad thing. We'll force a bit of pressure onto some of the more established players who will, sooner or later, um, make way for these for the new signings. Um, I'll be honest, I've never really thought about it in, in that way, so forgive me if my answer's a little bit garbled, but I... Yeah, I don't see it being a problem. If, if Guardiola knows the players he wants, then there'll be room for them. And if 
some established big name players have to make way, then so be it. Guardiola's not going to be worried about upsetting egos, I don't think. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Yeah, I think you guys make some excellent points. Uh, I think if Manchester United do manage to get Pogba, they could genuinely contend. Um, while some don't think that, that that kind of midfielder could really impact a title race, I think a player of his caliber kind of transcends player mold, uh, if that makes sense. Also, we know that Mourinho knows how to win the Premier League. He's done it before. Do I think that two years from now, uh, everything will be hunky-dory at that club? I sure don't. But uh, we've, we've seen that he can turn it around in one year, and if they got someone like Pogba in, they'd get it. And I, I think they'd be able to turn it around. Sorry, Richard. Um, City, obviously, also up there. I do like Guardiola more as a manager, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like you have a very aging and injury risk heavy squad, and in some cases, both. Um, yeah. <laughs> which isn't necessarily ideal. I loved the Nolito signing. I thought that was so astute because it's cover for three different positions. And he can play any of them aptly. I know Dave uh, doesn't really rate Nolito and compares his stuff to what Iago Aspas did. But you weren't bringing him in to be in your starting 11. Um, at least for my thought. And, you know, Sterling has his peaks and valleys. And when he's in those valleys, you know, you can play Nazri on the left if you still have him. Um, or you can, you know, play Nolito there and not have to worry about it. Actually, before before I keep going, I love David Silva as a player. And he's mm-hmm. had two great years and two crap years in the last four years. What what do you think we're going to see from him this year? I I mean I'm I, I personally I think David Silva is possibly the best player to have ever played for City. Um, so that naturally leads me to think positive thoughts about what we're going to see from him. I think his um, his style, his ability to control a ball um, closely and to operate in um, to operate in small spaces and to find his way between the lines and intelligence in creating chances and knowing um, how his teammates like to receive the ball. All of that, I think, is going to fit perfectly with how Guardiola likes to play because like Guardiola has this reputation for possession football and um, he is sort of linked and associated with the idea of tiki-taka football um, as a style and when he himself is on record as saying how much he hates tiki-taka because it is possession football without a focus on actually leading to something Guardiola's possession yeah. yeah Guardiola's idea of possession football is in some ways um, primarily a defensive tactic because it's as long as we've got the ball and as far away as we are from our own goal the harder it is for the opposition to score so People don't think of Guardiola as a defensive manager, but it is sort of the bedrock of everything that he builds on. And so Silva's ability to retain a ball and to make meaningful passes and to always be probing and searching for the defence-splitting pass and obviously wanting to operate 
very high up the pitch, I think fits perfectly with everything that Guardiola looks to do. Um, and if given the quality that Silva's got, um, I would expect a, a very, very good year from him. Um, I agree he was off the boil last season. I think Silva has like a permanent injury problem and this doesn't really get spoken about enough, but from way before he joined City, um, he's had a problem with his left ankle. It's just, it's weak. It's why whenever he gets substituted off, he generally heads straight down the tunnel. It's why when he gets kicked in the ankle, he tends to go to ground. It's not a buy-in time thing. It's not a um, feigning injury thing. He has a weak ankle. Um, And I think that finally started to catch up with him last year partly because of the amount of football we've asked him to play, um, he's had no rest. That side of things is going to continue, but with a new manager um, who his fitness team work in a very different way to a lot of other managers, sort of all the fitness work they do is also um, with the ball and the, the fitness work is done in tandem with sort of learning the tactical ideas that Guardiola wants to bring. Um, I think all that stuff plays right into the hands of what David Silver is and I would... I won't. I don't want to sort of go off on too much of a tangent. I'd probably disagree though that he's had two crap years out of four, but I would certainly agree that last year wasn't his best. Um, but I'd see no reason to think that he won't be refreshed and won't be the perfect sort of Guardiola player. Mm, I will say that might be the first time I've let my uh, fantasy work bleed into my Premier League work. Um, <laughs> Because no, I, I do agree. Just my, my expectation of David Silva as a player is, is so high, and he set that bar so high since he came into the Premier yeah. League that falling short of it feels um, more drastic, perhaps than than it was. That's no, that's fair. And City have been so reliant on him for such a long time that you do notice when he goes off the boil. It's not like um, an average player having right. an average game. When and a great you added player, De Bruyne, who offers very similar things. Yes. That was doing it. So you also saw the contrast on pitch. But a very well-made point uh, on your on your part. Uh, finishing up my title talk, is it crazy to think that Chelsea could win the title after finishing 10th last year? Yes. But a year ago, it would have been crazy to suggest that Chelsea could finish 10th, having just finished first. <laughs> so uh, turnarounds like that can obviously happen. It happened last year, uh, just in the negative way. I agree with what Dave was saying, Conte is a brilliant manager and I think is often overlooked when you're talking about some of the best managers in the game, especially when you're talking defensive tactics. It's it's him and Simeone as 1A and 1B when it comes to defensive tactics, and, and it's absolutely incredible. And you saw it with Italy at the Euros with uh, an Italian team that arguably is one of the least talented Italian teams we've ever seen. Still being able to, to drag performances out of them, I think, is a real credit to, to what um, Conte can do. Uh, I do not think that they have many players that actually fit his system, which I think is going to be an issue for them. Uh, But, you know, he is a very smart guy. Maybe they'll change the formation to suit the personnel a bit more. Uh, But if they play kind of a 3-5-2, I'm not really sure they have the players to do that. I think the only center back in their team capable of doing that is Zuma, and he's hurt, or Andreas Christensen, who's on loan, or Ivanovic, who's a right back. So, although I don't actually think it's a right back, I think a right-sided center back might actually kind of be his best uh, position at this point. But he's had ups and downs the past couple of years as well. So, I, 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 this is the problem: is that all of the top teams you can find issues with, like with United. You think that Mourinho and Ibrahimovic can get along for a whole season? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put money on that. Um, and at City, like Dave was saying, there are injuries in that squad that will happen, and it's how you ride those out that'll really determine how your season goes. 
Um, if you look at Arsenal, I, I don't really think that they've strengthened enough. Um, I think Jaka is a good signing. It's the kind of player they've needed for years, somebody to strengthen that midfield. But they have their own problems with, like, Alexis and Giroud still can't manage to both put in good performances when they're on the pitch together. That's obviously a big problem. We're going to have Champions League to deal with. I don't really think we're going to be pushing that hard. Liverpool could fight their way up into that chase at some point during the year, but I don't think they'll really put up a sustained run. And, and I think, as has been said, there's a, I, I do think there's a clear top six this year. And it's those clubs. And and is it possible that somebody could creep through? Yeah. But as you mentioned, Richard, I, I think it's, man, it's going to be really hard to break through. Especially because all those clubs that had breakthroughs last season now have European football. Which is what they were without last year when they made those big runs. With your Southamptons and your Evertons and your West Ham. So, or not Everton, uh, Leicester. Man, I think in my head I just saw the color blue and ran with it. Um, but anyway, uh, that's that's my uh, thoughts on this crazy title race. And, and I... I don't think I honestly don't think there's a favorite, which is really causing me in this article that I'm allegedly writing issues. Um, yeah, I'll have to come to a decision at some point. But as of now, without knowing if Pogba has signed yet, uh, as we record this on Sunday night, um, man, I don't. You know what? You're on the show. I'll say City just to pacify Richard. How's that? <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to head into Player Watch. So, Richard, we'll start with you. Just talking about a player at your club that people should keep an eye on that maybe they wouldn't know to look out for this season. Well, see, this is... That's hard for a club like City. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm going to say, I mean, he's not exactly unknown. um, And I think I I alluded to him earlier, but I think Fernandinho is going to be so key at City this season um, that... I think what Pep will do with him is going to make him the player to watch. He's already talking about what an intelligent player he is, about the fact that he can play in defence, um, which we've I think we saw with him once, maybe twice last season when we had um, injuries late on in games um, or red cards. I'm struggling to recall quite exactly when he went to centre-back, but he did do it for at least one game. Um, and... I think, as I said earlier, Guardiola loves that. He loves a player. Um, he loves a player who can play out from the back. And Fernandinho is a good tackler. He reads the game brilliantly. So I think we will see him in a different role. He is a truly, truly world-class midfielder. He was probably our best player last season, but goes a little bit as as players of his style so often do, and goes a little bit under the radar because um, he's not the most eye-catching of players. But in our best performances last season, he was such a pivotal player. You think of the severe away game in the Champions League, which I think most people would agree was one of our top three performances um, from not a load of great ones to choose from. Um, and he was dynamic. He was a proper box-to-box midfielder in the sense that, or in the way that you don't necessarily see so much in the modern game anymore. Um his intelligence, his reading of the game, his ability to pass will make him such a key player to Guardiola. And so I think that makes him one to watch. Um, another player who I don't think will be very well known to anybody outside of City at all, um, but that Guardiola might look, he's not going to play a whole lot, but that Guardiola might have to do something with. Um, we have a young defender, 18 I think he is, called Tosin Adurabayo. Adurabayo. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and he's 
he played in the game where Pellegrini threw away the FA Cup last season at Chelsea, and he was really good in the first half as a young centre back. Um, and he's he's again he is that sort of ball playing centre back. Um, he's looked all right in the friendlies so far, um, and Guardiola seems to like him. I'm not suggesting for one minute that with the likes of company and if Mangala or Otamendi hang around and with Jason Denea back from Galatasaray and with the possibility of John Stones coming in and the possibility of Fernandinho dropping to centre-back, I'm not suggesting that the lad's going to get a whole load of football this season, but I think he will play some games um, because we know Guardiola loves his youth players um, and I think he'll probably make an impression. And he's also good for two other reasons. Um, he's great for highlighting commentators' lack of research because no one can pronounce his name, despite the fact that all it takes is a cursory look at his Twitter profile and he has phonetically spelt it out for people. Um, <laughs> and he is, I think when we played that game against Chelsea and uh, last season in the FA Cup, and there were all sorts of comments um, over social media about not using English players and the, the lad's from Manchester, like he's born and bred Manchester. So um, he's great to, he's always one to listen out for, for how quickly a commentator refers to um, either getting his nationality wrong or not pronouncing his name. So, <laughs> All right, and this is going to be a little silly because of how many rumors are still outstanding there at City, but what <laughs> position do you think most needs strengthening? Um, there are, there's probably two with that one. Um Striker is quite an obvious one because, again, as we sort of touched upon already, Aguero is injury prone. That will probably continue to be the case because why would that stop now when it's been the pattern for so long? Um, so we can expect him to miss some football due to injuries. Um, and we can't rely on Wilfred Bonney if he's even going to be here. And there's talk that his £25 million price tag is putting off any potential suitors there. And we do have Kalecchi Iheanacho, who is another a young player who made quite an impression last season that I think Guardiola will probably work wonders with. Um, but at his age, with his you know still um, lacking experience, can he be relied upon to fill a striker's berth in so many high-pressure games? Um, I'm not sure. He's very, very good, um, and he's going to be a brilliant player, but it might be a bit too early to put all that responsibility on him so far. So we could, um, obviously, Nalito can fill that position, but I still think we could do with bringing a striker in, if at all possible. Um, and then the other one is a sort of double of both the fullback positions really need addressing. Um, Kolarov is, I think, his days at City should be numbered. Um, I, I quite like him, but his reading of the game as a defender is awful, and that will not work with um, with what Guardiola likes to do with his fullbacks. It's such a key position for him and uh, for the way that they push up and the way that they cover the um the other wide players um the way that they follow the rest of the defensive line it's you know it's all stuff that should be quite obvious but that is crucial to pep and Kolarov just can't do that um i think all our fullbacks are over 30 so we've already mentioned i think as you mentioned we have an aging squad it is particularly prominent in those positions um zabaleta sounds like he'll probably be off um, he might not be yet, but had a disappointing season last year. Injury seems to have caught up with him a little bit. Um, so that's what I'd like us to, to do, a striker and full-backs, hopefully. All right, Dave, uh, who's a player at Liverpool that people should really keep a lookout for this season? Um, I think there's a couple. I think I think Emery Jean is the key for us this season because the development we saw in him last season in that kind of deeper midfield role was pretty staggering from where he was when Rodgers left 
to where he was at the end of the season. He basically became our most important player. And I, I think he's going to make great strides this year as well because he'll have that full season. He's been away with the German team. He got to play you know, a decent bit in the Euros. I think he'll, he'll come back really confident. And Klopp loves him. It wouldn't be a surprise to me if he's captain of Liverpool by the end of the season. Um, he, for me, represents our future in midfield. We need to find a partner for him. But Jan is, I think, at 10 million, he's going to prove to be one of the all-time great Premier League bargains. Um, the other one to really watch is Sadio Mane. Um, I was against the transfer for a couple of reasons. The price been the biggest one. I think, I think we've paid double what he's worth. But he brings us you know, a weapon that we didn't really have, which was pace in wider roles. He's going to have to adapt to a new kind of position this year that he hasn't played before. But if he can really turn on that pace when we need him to, and what we really need him to do is not have much of the ball, but to get on the end of things and produce, the, the playmaking will come from Coutinho and Firmino. We need Mane to really be like the, either the last pass or the one taking the shot. Um, and the other thing to watch with him is, does he do what he's done for the last three seasons? Does he disappear in mid-October um, only to reappear in mid-March, uh, score a few goals and have everybody singing his praises for the great season he's had? Mane's got a lot of pressure on this year and he's really going to have to produce because Lazar Markovic looks like he's going to stay and Klopp has said some fairly positive things about him. Um, but he has said he does need to get stronger. But if Mane disappears in all, in October and then goes to the African Cup of Nations in January and Markovic gets a chance and really impresses, then Mane may not find his way back into the Liverpool team. So we have a, some good options this year. I'm hoping, though, Kev, that the real answer to this question is a player that we haven't signed yet is going to come in in midfield and mm. partner Emre Jan and really propel us because obviously with no Europe this year, this is a good opportunity for us to make a run of top four. Yeah, uh, if there was a position that you thought needed to be strengthened the most, where would it be? Um, a defensive midfielder. The same thing we've yep. needed since 2010. You know, we need well, a left Wouldn't back you, in theory, want more run. of a passing, like a deep-lying playmaker to pair with Chan instead of another defensive guy? Well, see, the thing with Chan is he's not really a defensive-minded player. That's just something he fell into under Klopp. When he was at, at Leverkusen, he played with Bender, with Lars Bender there. So he was doing more of the attacking. The ideal partner for, for him would be someone who is both a defensive midfielder, but also sort of that deep-lying playmaker, a Ruben Neves from Porto or a Johannes Geis from Schalke. Mm. Witzel Either of also those kind guys, of fits that role, even though I already said everybody should stop trying. <laughs> yeah, but Witzel's going to go to Juve. That, that deal is, is pretty close, apparently. Um, before Juve kind of agreed to the Pogba thing, they had more or less settled with Zenith on how this is going to work, how they're going to get him by, by according to reports, as as the saying goes. But um, like one of those two, Geis or Neves, would just give us such a massive boost in midfield. Um, plus, they can both take set pieces, which nobody in our current squad can. All right, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out on those. Uh, for Tottenham, um, 
everybody already knows who Eric Lamella is, but I do think that this is going to be his his huge breakout year. He did end up having pretty decent statistics at the end of last season. I know some people aren't big on statistics, uh, but in this case, I do think they they told the truth here. Um, Lamella did improve leaps and bounds, and you could really see it in the Europa League where he had loads of space. And I think this is going to be the year that uh, on a European level, everybody is reminded of how good Lamella is because I think the Champions League and the fact that we'll be playing teams that will constantly be coming at us will leave those gaps um, in between the midfield and the defense that that Eric Lamella so thrives in. He'll have loads of space. um, And now that we have developed a better squad, attention won't really be on him all the time. So I think Lamella, you know, while already a good player, somebody that will really break out. As far as young guys go, um, Marcus Edwards has really impressed um, in this Australian tour we've been on, but he's only 17. I don't think he'll feature that much, but d- that's just a name to keep an eye on, you know, like four years from now. Um, but he keeps the ball at his feet so cleanly. He's already good at keeping his head up even when he's under pressure. He's a very tiny, tiny man. Um, but hopefully he'll be able to to bulk up a bit before he really gets first team minutes. I think if we're talking about young players that are going to get a chance this year, I think Josh Onama did get some chances last season, can really play anywhere in that three behind the striker, um, has pace, a bit of guile. He has that weird kind of lanky strength um, yeah. where it just seems like he's always really able to shield the ball. Uh, you, you'd like the passing to be a little better considering the positions he gets into. Um, he'd be able to capitalize more if he was a little more consistent putting the ball at others' feet. But I, I do think there's a, a loads of talent in there. And I think that really the, the easiest way to judge his ability is that we're already shopping Alex Pritchard, who was meant to be kind of the future uh, 10 or, or the backup to Erickson going forward. Um, I think Onuma has leapfrogged him in development and is therefore definitely going to get like a first team number and, and minutes in the first team. Um, the other one, uh, Potch has come out and said that we are not looking actively for a right-sided center back which means currently the only one in our squad is Toby Alderweireld. Of course, Eric Dyer has played there before, but he's also in our best 11 as a defensive midfielder. Um, and it's hard to do both at the same time, I've heard. Um, so Cameron Carter-Vickers, who is uh, in the U.S. under-20 side, I want to say. Maybe maybe he's moved up to U-21s by now. Um, is, a, is the opposite of uh, Marcus Edwards. He is a very bulky human being. Um, and already looks the part. Um, he was paired with some pretty <laughs> shoddy and young defenders uh, in in the matches in Australia, uh, including being played next to Will Hughes, who's an attacking midfielder who was playing left back in the match against Juventus. Uh, so not really going to blame him for any of the silliness that happened at the back there. Uh, and he was kind of let down um, by his partner there. Um, name is escaping me at the moment. He was on loan in Scotland last season. Come back to me later. I can do better. Um, but, uh, anyway, I think, uh, Lamella for a player that you've already heard of, it's really going to break through the season that Onoma and Carter Vickers are, are two players that you might hear more and more, uh, in the first team. All right. And now we're going to move on to uh, objectives because we don't really have matches yet, but I still want to get a sense of what you're expecting from your clubs. Richard, obviously, we'll, we'll continue starting with you. Last season, we knew that Manchester City had to do something in the Champions League. It had been such a big monkey on your back that you needed to get through. You made it to the semifinals. Obviously, a little bit disappointing the way you went out to Madrid. Am I, am I remembering right that there wasn't a shot on target in either leg? 
Um, there definitely wasn't in the second leg. Um, I can't remember if there was in the first leg, but either way, your point stands that it was a very disappointing way to go out. Right. But um, you made I, it to that point, which we knew, like day one of the season, was the basket in which your eggs would be placed. Is there such a stark one or the other thing this season, or are you just going to challenge them both? And where do you think you'll end up? Um, I think this year, um, and to be honest, I sort of always fall down on this side. I, I think the focus will be very much on the Premier League. It's the, uh, to me, the league is where you really show your superiority and you really show your quality because you play 38 games. You are over a season tested against pretty much every style of football you can come up against. You play in all different types of conditions, in all different types of stadiums. Um, and that is, to me, the real test. And so winning the Premier League this year after such a meek attempt at last season, um, that would be a real, real huge sign of um, of Guardiola's quality if he can turn this team back into title winners. Um, but obviously, City will have ambitions for the Champions League. To me, if they can get to the quarterfinal again, because let's remember, until last season, they'd never even got to that stage. And um, so if they can get to the quarterfinal again, if they can, if I mean... We've got to remember as well, we've still got a playoff to get through here where we could come up against an half-decent team. So whilst we're still um, bedding into the new ideas that, that Pep will be bringing with him, we're not actually guaranteed to be in the Champions League proper. But if we work on the assumption that we will be there, I would be quite satisfied with quarterfinals because anything can happen in two-legged football um, and in the Champions League where you could come up against the best team in the competition in the quarterfinal and then you could be done for. So... I, I probably don't place as much emphasis on that as a lot of other people do. To me, the league is the bread and butter where we have to start to get things right before we start to worry too much about what we do in Europe. Um, but I suppose anything less than quarterfinals would be a failure. But it depends how you perform as well. If you limp there, like we've limped the last 16, um, the season before last, when we got through with like six points, that to me is a worse performance than... Um, limping through you know, is worse than finishing second with like 15 points like we did one year so it's all about how you get there I, I don't necessarily set my stall by which round we get to um, if that makes any kind of sense at all um, but the, the league is the bread and butter and so that's what I'll be setting my expectations by and I think the club will see it in a very similar way to be honest um, if we are as good as we can be if the manager is as good as he can be and the players live up to their potential then City will win the league there'll be other teams who see it that way as well I think United would think the same with their squad and the money they've spent Chelsea will see it in a very similar way so I certainly don't take it for granted but if we are the sum of our parts we would win the league in my opinion and that, that would be my that's what I'll be hoping for. That would be my objective for the year. Mm. All right, and Dave, now coming to you on what do you think uh, Liverpool's objectives are this season and, and where do you think you'll finish? Um, well, the objectives have got to be very simple. They've got to be a good runs in the domestic cups and top four in the Premier League. Because we have no Europe in this, this, in this coming season, we have a real opportunity to make a run at the top four. Uh, as I said earlier, I think Chelsea can win the league based on the fact that they don't have European football this year. It's just such a, it makes things so much easier. When when we pushed City for the title in 13-14, we had no Europe, and that was our biggest advantage over them. Um, I won't suggest that we can win the league this year. 
we us winning the league this year would be probably as big a shock as Leicester winning it last year, given how much money City, Chelsea, United are spending, given the new managers at all three of those clubs, given the continued progression of Spurs and the continued genius of Wenger in whatever you know shape or form it's taking these days at Arsenal. I think the Premier League will be so much stronger this year that us winning it would be just an incredible shock for everybody. But I do think we can make top four. Um, I think that the two are nailed on. I think Chelsea and City are nailed on. Um, United, there's so many combustible parts there. And they've they've spent really oddly. Like the best player they've bought this summer is Henrik Mkhitaryan. And it's gotten so little notice because they signed Zlatan and they're going to sign Paul Pogba. Like, great. You signed Zlatan. Yeah, he's fantastic. But he's there for the money and a farewell tour. And you sign Pogba, again, great, he's a great player, but, you know, a central midfield player of his nature is not going to win you a title. Uh, people who score goals and people who stop goals, that's who wins your titles. I don't think we can win the title because I don't think we're good enough defensively. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that we haven't addressed the defence properly this summer. Um, but I think we can get top four, and I think I think we'll we'll aim to hit the season, you know, hard like Leicester did last year like you guys did last year as well Kev and look to get points on the board early while the likes of City and Chelsea and United are still trying to figure out these new teams they put together um, and while they're you know City and United are dealing with Europe and stuff I, I'm, 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 I'm fairly optimistic going into this season most of it is purely because of Klopp but I think we have some really really good players and um, I, I do, I think, top four. And I, I think we could win one of the domestic cups if, if things break our way. All right, so you mentioned where you think you should be. Where do you think you will be? I'm going to say I, th- I think we will be fourth. Okay. Um, I think if I look at the league, I, we, we, you guys have in Champions League, with Arsenal not really doing anything to impress me in the market, I think they've overpaid for Granit Xhaka, who's decent, but he's not. I don't think he's the player they think they're getting. Um, with United been... Like, I, I could see a scenario where it's City or Chelsea top, the other one second, and United third and us fourth. Um, and then the two North London clubs just missing out. You guys, I think it will just come down to the Champions League. It, it's it's just an added pressure. And I think we could see Harry Kane go through a bit of a gold route like he did last year. And if that happens this year... I think you may lose too much ground to try and yeah, make up. I don't think we're making top four. I just think it will be also hard uh, for you guys. But as we've mentioned, there there are probably six teams that could win the title, and all six of them could mm. also fall out of the top four. So yeah, it will be that's, very that's tipsy-turvy. Exactly that's exactly it. I think uh, like the City could win the Champions League and finish fifth. You know, Because there's just... The, the way the league is, it's still in a lot of a, a flux, and it's been really poor... Like, let's be honest, it's been dreadful the last three or four years, probably the last four years. Since City's first title win, I think it's been pretty muck overall since. The one year where us and City went for the title, it was exciting. But if you look down through the league, it wasn't particularly good. Um, This season, I think we'll start to see it come out of that slump. But again, there's so many moving parts, so many new managers, new players, all this money floating around. Like, God knows you could see United in desperation go out and spend another million a hundred million in in january to bring in players they don't need uh, as they're doing this summer fair enough all right uh for tottenham uh i am not that optimistic about this season if i'm honest 
Um, I said last season that I was just hoping for uh, top six, and we did it. Great job. We're in the Champions League again. Very exciting. We're going to be playing Champions League matches at Wembley, which is also exciting, especially with the low ticket prices. Um, would have been cool if we could have done them uh, one last time at White Hart Lane, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, for this season, for me to be happy, uh, I'd say anywhere in the top six and making it out of the group stages of the Champions League. I think that this league is going to be incredibly tough this year. I think we have some players that are bound to regress. We had, let's see, with Ali, Lamella, Kane, Walker, Rose, all of them had their best season for Tottenham last season. And I don't think you can expect that year on year. Now we do have loads of young talent, so the trajectories are upward. But I think expecting that level of performance again this season would be foolish. Dembele as well had his best year for us in a Spurs shirt. Um, so my, my league expectations are not very high. Um, I think the Champions League will be very tough for us. We're going to be in pot three. So, quote-unquote, in theory, we'll be facing two better teams than us in the Champions League. Um, obviously, the draw could be kind. The draw could be unkind. If I hear a single person say... Uh, you know, you have to beat the best to be the best. I'm going to lose my mind. That's the saying I hate most in football. Because you actively do not. <laughs> if you get a good run of teams, or you get a favorable group, you're going to go further. And not once has a team that's gotten an easy group, cough, Premier League teams, ever gotten through and been like, you know what, it doesn't feel like we earned it. Not once. So please stop propagating that saying. Anyway, um, I would love to get out of the group stage. Not really expecting to get much further than that. So my expectations aren't that high. I would love a domestic run. I think, uh, like I said earlier, I don't think Jansen gets a whole lot of minutes in the Premier League or Champions League. That Rather, he'll be really used as an attacking sub late on. But I think the domestic competitions uh, will really be where the likes of Jansen uh, gets his minutes on Ma Carter Vickers, who I mentioned earlier. That's where they'll get their, min- <laughs> they will get their minutes. Um, Trippier and Davis and all those guys. Uh, Chadley as well, if he ends up staying. Um, and tries to force his way back into the side, they'll get those opportunities, I think, in the domestic cups. Um, so while I'd love to win one of those, I think that's really going to be where we're experimenting. So uh, I, I'm just looking for, on the whole, uh, continued growth from this side. It could be painful. Potch still has a lot to learn as a manager. He's very talented. Um, but there are still some kinks that he needs to work out. I, as I mentioned earlier, I think Kane has a very real chance of getting maybe a knock or two this season. Erickson maybe doesn't have the legs for all these competitions that we're going to be in this season. Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm cautiously pessimistic, if that's a thing. Um, but anything better than that. If we finish top four again, I think that would be a dream. I think if we made it past the round of 16, like we did last time, um, we were in the Champions League. I think that would be incredible. I'm just not expecting it. And I see all these Spurs fans saying that we're challenging for the title or that we're going to be in the top four. And it's possible. I'm not going to say it's not possible. I just think it's less less likely. Um, but anyway, that's, that's how I think we'll do. I think we'll end the season fifth. Uh, and I think it'll be a pleasant fifth where we fought our way up the table, not an unpleasant fifth where we're in it till the very last day of the season and we drop down uh, as we've done so many years before. All right, and that will do it for today's show. I do realize that in the open, I said that our first ever episode was closer to a movie than a podcast length, and here we are having done it again, so apologies there. Uh, but if you guys would like to tell the people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Richard the Burns. 
and I write for Typical City, who are on Twitter at Typical City um, or typicalcity.org. I'm on the Blooming Podcast, which again is on Twitter at Blooming Podcast and is on iTunes every Friday, um, dedicated Manchester City podcast. And I write two articles a week for Yahoo Sport UK. Um, so on Twitter at Dave Hendrick underscore AI, uh, podcasts on the Anfield Index, World Football Index, and, and All in Sports Talk. Um, I have a radio show in Toronto every Sunday morning called Total Football on 88.9 FM, uh, mainly focused on TFC, but, you know, we do obviously cover European football as well. And then once the MLS is over, it'll be largely uh, Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A and, and La Liga. Yep. And I am your host, uh, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroth. I have a whole bunch of fantasy stuff going on at the moment. We recorded two different FPL roundtables this past week that we'll repost uh, along with this show, um, one which is talking about just the standard FPL game and one talking FPL draft with uh, Fantasy Gaffer from uh, Play Taga. So be sure to check those out. I also put out a fantasy article for TheEaglesBeak.com about uh, incoming players and their prices, so be sure to check that out. Uh, also, we'll be putting out fantasy rankings throughout the week over on Razzball.com with uh, my dear friend Rob. Um, so be sure to check those out. Uh, in the interim, thank you for listening to this. Oh, also a champions, uh, championship roundtable that you can put your ears on. So loads of content coming out for me everywhere. Just check my Twitter. That would have been a much shorter way to tell you to do this. But thanks so much for joining us, guys. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.
Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.